Hello, this is Champ 180. I'm your host, your helper and friend, Adam Childress. If you're listening and expecting a kumbaya session on what you want to hear, this may not be the show for you. We are committed to encouraging and developing champion-like individuals who desire to learn, grow, improve in the five core areas of champ. I'm real, transparent, and say what's on my mind with no fluff or puff. So listen up, because today is your day. Stay tuned. You are now listening to the second part of Can Kids Be Hacked by Nathan Long. Enjoy. So Nathan, uh, there's a, uh, in Proverbs 9, 10 through 12 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, your days will be many, and your years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. So Nathan, can you explain what this would mean in parallel with what we are discussing today on protecting our children from the unknown and unwanted attacks? I love that verse because it covers both the big picture philosophical starting place Mm -hmm. and the practical application. But it starts with the fear of the Lord. That's a synonym for say for recognizing, number one, that God exists, and number two, that he is God or that he is sovereign, right? Mm-hmm. Because that means we have an authority to recognize. That's the starting place. Yeah. We have someone who is transcendent. He, if God was a lot like me, I wouldn't need him. I need someone or something that's so far beyond me that I cannot comprehend him. If if he only was as smart or close to as smart as myself or competent or whatever the case might be, I'm flailing around through life. You won't grow. I won't grow. There's nothing to... It's like if you want to get better in racquetball, you don't play somebody who's worse than you. You play somebody who's better than you. Yeah. Right? You, yeah. Many analogies for that. It's true. That's a boy. Um, Yeah, so the starting place is the fear of the Lord. Sometimes we get tripped up on that idea of the fear of the Lord. But Mm -hmm. if there is a a being who is so far beyond you, what other um, trait are you going to experience except for some level of fear, right? Now, the wonder is that he is also imminent or near. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, the word for priest in Hebrew, Kohen, means one who draws near. Um, the idea that the very architect of the cosmos, who is incomprehensibly beyond us, will commune with us individually is staggering. But let's go back to the verse. It goes from the fear of the Lord to understanding, right? Mm -hmm. That's the practice of observing him. It's no different than father and child, mother and daughter. What does the child do? It carefully observes everything in in its environment and then it imitates it. So we carefully observe how God behaves, what he is like, how he answers, what he does, and we imitate it. That's understanding. Knowledge and then wisdom is the skill in putting knowledge into action. So yeah, great passage for guiding where we'll start. 
with the knowledge of God, the aware, the acknowledgement, the recognition of who he is and what it means that he is God. And then from there to what does this entirely benevolent, which is another way of saying totally loving, yeah, utterly kind, entirely just, unceasingly merciful, what does this being who just, who is so benevolent, how does he function? Imitating him will order our lives, our environment, our persons. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, if you're wise, your wisdom will reward you. We could say wisdom works. Yes. And that's why you get the rewards of it. You do, you know, just like in your home, because you have wisdom and you're wise about cybersecurity, your a network, your computers and devices are protected because of your knowledge. And so you can you'll be rewarded for not having a tax and you have money in your account that's not going to be stolen. Or my son sent me a phishing text and said, Dad, look at this. And he was laughing. And uh, he recognized what it was rather than falling for it. Mm. Uh, and I was very proud. <laughs> that's true. Your kids will follow that as well. With your wisdom on something, you'll teach them the ways of what's to look out for to protect them as well. And they'll protect their kids and their friends, stuff like that, because mm -hmm. they've learned from you, you know? So just like you were saying earlier, teach our kids to detect bad people or people that are um, narcissistic or people that want to take advantage of us and not have the best intention for us. They're selfish. And that's wisdom. That's discernment. Let's go back to that for a minute, because since we live in such a insane world at the moment, mm -hmm. it's even more important that while we start with teaching children to accept instruction from a benevolent force that's larger and outside of himself, that's where it begins in the high chair, mm -hmm. we must also begin to teach them critical thinking. And of course, we need to ask what is appropriate for critical thinking at on behalf of a six-year-old, what is appropriate for critical thinking on behalf of a 12-year-old? Those are two different things. Mm -hmm. But we, we, we can't tell them just to comply because compliance is not the goal, the, the ultimate goal. It's the beginning goal, right? Yeah. And then we start to say, don't talk to strangers, right? You obey and trust me because you know me. You know my character. You know that I'm the one who gives you food three times a day. You know that I'm the one that provides you shelter. Now, most of this is not expressed mm -hmm. right, um, explicitly, but it's understood implicitly. But if this person comes from outside your world, you don't trust them. You don't obey them. And my point is just that we absolutely have to begin to teach that at a young age as well. These people are trustworthy. These people need to be suspect. Um, give them qualifications for who's defined in that role. Don't let them watch a movie without critiquing it together as a family. Right? I'm, I'm talking like if you watch The Little Mermaid, you better talk about what obedience is supposed to look like in a family afterwards. Right? I see. So they don't just take that like, hey, run with that. Maybe I should have done that with uh, the outsiders because uh, my middle daughter loved the character Dally, and he was rebellious. And you know, he was played by um, Matt Dillon. Mm. 
you know, he's a tall, he's a leader, sure. but he was rebellious. But, you know, she took some of that and ran with it. Yeah. And here I'm thinking, hey. And I make comments about that, actually, years later. Stupid Dally. Because I see it in her. Yeah. You know? So what? So we're not saying, I don't think either you or I are saying, that there's not an appropriate time to watch Outsiders with your kid. Mm-hmm. But it might not be at age nine. It might be at age, I don't know what, it depends on your child, train them up mm-hmm. in the way that they should go. Mm-hmm. So yes. you're going to have to analyze what's appropriate for this child when. But then maybe after watching the movie, you turn, you open the scriptures and you read together, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It is. And you discuss what does that mean and why is it so destructive? Samuel? Yes. Second Samuel, something like that. Yeah, sometimes we have to define things carefully, right? We should differentiate between disobedience and rebellion. Mm-hmm. One could be any motivated by any number of things. Mm-hmm. Disobedience, I'm talking about now. Excitement, hormones, misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. The other is a cognizant rejection of authority and instruction. An intent to defy. Yes. And, um, and that's where it's... Now... Why is that equated with witchcraft? And what can we boil witchcraft down to? Right. It's manipulation. Mm-hmm. So the essence of what, what, what we call the Christian walk mm-hmm. is relational. It's a give and take and a dependence by us upon God. Witchcraft is an attempt to control um, our environment through the acquisition of knowledge as a tool. It's non-relational. It's manipulative. You gain power, and then you exert it to control your environment, regardless of whether that environment includes other persons who ought to, if you preserve their dignity, have their own ability, their own free will, right? So a curse is an attempt to remove some of the free will of another individual. That's devilish. It's the opposite of what God does. True. He made us in his image as persons and gave us the the ability to choose. That's the exact opposite of witchcraft. It's relational dependence with the ability to choose, but not the ability to escape the consequences of our choices. Mm -hmm. Or witchcraft, manipulative acquisition of knowledge in an attempt to, as an authority, shift our environment Regardless, without with no respect for others, let's say, yeah, um, makes it easier to recognize witchcraft too in all the various forms in which it comes. The classic visual, which is expressed in the Hebrew, but a high-handed sin—it's the idea of fist raised, shaking at God. Mm-hmm. That's rebellion. Yes, I will not, and I hate you. Yes, is the idea behind rebellion. Holy heart. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, one last thing, Nathan. I'm sure that there are listeners out there, parents who have children who have already succumbed to the lies and deceptions of their adversaries. They have been hacked, infiltrated with a mental character and attitude virus that has already compromised their operating system, if you will, and their network of friends and family. You and I were victims as well of the situation before, with one of our children being the prey to a predator, a hacker, 
who intruded them, our kids, our family, that caused devastation. So what advice would you give parents that are going through that right now? Number one, trust God. Mm -hmm. Number two, do not compromise the truth. Number three, be loving. That sounds so simple, but it is excruciatingly difficult to do. But what I found during the time where one of my children was walking through the valley of the shadow of death is that God knew how severely she needed to be abused to discover that she herself was committed to the harmony and peace that we had demonstrated in our home throughout her entire growing up period. True. The difference between how God relates to us and how the adversary relates to us is that the adversary sends us into the valley of the shadow of death and then stands aside, points his finger, and mocks and laughs. Mm -hmm. God says, we're going to have to go through the valley of the shadow of death, but I know what's on the other side. And I'm going to go through it with you. And so your child will find in perhaps the darkest, blackest moment of their life that God is still right there with them. And they'll grab hold of his hand and be brought up out of the muck. And when they come back, their understanding and their appreciation for the imperfect and yet good, beautiful, and true ways in which you have raised them uh, are that. They'll come back going, that was good. This is beautiful. That was true. They may say it differently. It may be a son who says, you know, I'm realizing almost everything dad said was right. I see. For what they left, they know now it's true and peaceful and hopeful and love. Yes. So when I say, number one, trust God. Mm -hmm. You have to know that he's a better parent than you are. Very. And in our attempts to be good parents, we can actually overprotect our children. It's easy to do because we don't know the possible consequences. Last night, and, and the consequences are real. Last night, Elisa shared with me a story from, I don't know where she picked it up, but that some wonderfully delightful, normal young man was went to a party and was dared to eat a slug. He did, and he died. Really? Um, there's some kind of parasite in it, and I don't know all the details. His life um, lasted five years longer. He spent three of those five years in the hospital, uh, an entire year in a coma. Uh, apparently, whatever this um, ailment is, typically is, comes from eating snails, um, but it can be from slugs as well. And in this case, it penetrated his colon and then caused super rare form of meningitis, of which he eventually died. So we as parents know those type of perhaps rare, but terrible consequences can happen. Yeah. Right. But we don't know if it will happen. So sometimes we can overprotect. I don't know how to balance that well, but I do know that God knows what the consequences will be and therefore will not take us into any trial that there is no way of escape or that we cannot bear. First Corinthians 10, 13 is what I'm paraphrasing there. 
That was really hard for me to accept. Because in choosing sin for a time, my daughter was abused horribly. Horribly. But it was exactly what she needed to mature from living in the way that she had been formed because of external um, persuasion to making those same principles her own, that she, she chose of her own volition. Mm-hmm. That has to happen in every child's life. Some children are able to have necks that are easily bent, knees that are easily bowed. I may, may I say that backward? Necks that are easily bowed or knees that are easily bent, right? Mm-hmm. And they can learn the easy way instead of the hard way. Some children have to learn the hard way. Yes. So that's why we have to trust the Lord. Number two, don't compromise the truth. Do not begin to tell them that what they have now chosen is okay because you don't want to lose them. True. That's not loving. Yeah. If you contribute to their continuing to to choose what is not good for them, you are hating your child. Love will continue to tell them the truth, although it will do so in kind and gentle ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, number three is that just continuing to make sure that they know they're welcome, but that there's standards that they can't violate. Right? Yeah. Um, so if you choose this, it's not me being mean. It's you. It's you choosing to put yourself outside the community of what is good, beautiful, and true. And I'm sorry that you've chosen that, but I cannot lie to you because, precisely because I love you. And then we have to let them go into God's hands and he will direct their paths. You said something like, um, they have to go and learn, right? They have to, uh, because our, our oldest, as you know, um, was rebellious, obviously, and really wanted this uh, boyfriend to be with him, and he was very toxic for her. This is the second time she ran away at this time, and we brought her back home, and we kept her here, and we, of course, laid down the the law when she was 17, and you can't see her, you know, pretty much until you're 18. This is like three months later, though, that she'll be 18. And she would, we sat down at the dinner table, and she wanted to compromise. Can I see him once a month? Can I just, you know, and I got tired of it because we dealt with that for a year or so. So I just said, guess what? This is what we're going to do. And look at your mom. She's devastated. We're tired of this. So you're going to do what you're going to want to do. So I'm opening the door. I'm not kicking you out. I'm opening the opportunity for you to make a choice. We're done. But just so you know, there's consequences. We can't, I can't, you're not under my home. I can't protect you, you know, under my covering. Um, so, so I gave her that whole speech, you know, I was completely honest with her. And she ended up leaving the next day. You know, of course, it was hurtful that she would, after that talk. But, mm-hmm. but before that, I need to tell you, I wasn't going to do that. I was just going to strictly give, keep her here. I want to win the battle. He's not going to have her. I'm going to win. 
you know, I'm going to change her mind. She's going to come under my authority, my my covering, and she's going to say, oh, dad's right. I had multiple people telling me to let her go. And I, did, I, I disagreed with them. Because I remember one day sitting at the table and they're discussing it, you know, my wife. And, and it hit me right there what I needed to do. So I had to get up because I felt the emotion coming. So I had to get up, excuse myself, go in the room. And tears are just rolling down my eyes because, and I ask God, do you really want me to release her to the beast? Mm -hmm. The beast as a not her boyfriend, he's part of it, but the world and everything that involves, right? And not mm -hmm. under my covering. Mm -hmm. And he goes, yeah, I need you to release her. Just trust me. Okay. So that was the next conversation that I said, okay, you're on your own. I'm at, you know, under my covering. You can leave if you want to leave. But know this. We disagree with what you're doing. But our door is always open for you to come back to. We love you. She left the next day. And, of course, she experienced, as your uh, daughter experienced, abuse. Mental, physical, emotional abuse, psychological. And she ended up coming home four months later. So, you know, God is good. Like you said, trust in God, pray, pray for them because they're really, uh, we're so infant, um, finite humans. We're, we're not powerful. We're not superheroes where we can just go in and take our kid. And even if we were, Nathan, to take our kid, if we were powerful, we have all this information, we have all this um, Calvary, all this army to take our kids back and rescue them we haven't gotten their heart and that's why god leaves it to him because he can not only res rescue them physically but he can rescue their heart and so that we can be unite and join together with our, our kids yeah let's make a few caveats about this each uh, set of parents will have to discern for themselves in relation to their specific son or daughter. Yes. What is required at that time? Mm -hmm. And that will be unique. Is this child 12? Is this child 15? Is this child 17 and a half? That's just the very beginning of the things you'll have to take very, into account. They're different variables. What's happening here? It, ha, do I not have the child's heart? And there's nothing for it but for them to be broken? Or is someone preying upon them, but their heart is with us, right? There's a whole variety of different things that you'll have to analyze as a parent and seek the Lord's guidance. So I just don't want anybody to take away what you do is you simply let them go. Sometimes you say, no, you're not leaving. Yes. And that's the right thing. But it will be specific to your circumstances, your slash their circumstances. Totally agree. Especially a 12 year old. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not leaving. Um, but what we've spent most of our time talking about today is how to hopefully prevent those scenarios. Yes. There's other factors we should mention. Humans are hardwired to presume that what they see around them is normal or normative. True. That means that faithful community is absolutely essential. Your children need to observe that they are, that you and their, that 
their family is not unique in the world in believing these things. If they recognize, like I remember that if, if, if they hear the pastor saying the same things from the pulpit as what they're hearing from their father at home, it reinforces this is true. It's not just my dad's idea. It's not just my dad's being controlling. This is what's good and beautiful and true. So community is a massive part of this whole process. Mm -hmm. um, capturing their beliefs at a very early age. That, uh, so that they view the world in the way that God views the world. Mm -hmm. And then when they see other proclamations, no, it doesn't have to be like that. No, it shouldn't be like that. It's jarring rather than, oh, that makes sense. None of these things are foolproof, mm -hmm. but they, not every child has to rebel. Um, why do, you know, old school churches have confirmation, the, the practice of identifying a moment where the promises that a parent has made on behalf of the child are now made by the child on their own behalf? Because the normative practice in a healthy world is the child will come to make the beliefs of their parents their own without significant controversy or difficulty. Although there will always be kids who have to go learn for themselves. Yeah. The prodigal child is an example. But we're going to see, I think the point we need to acknowledge is that the world has gotten so nuts right now that we're going to see a much higher percentage of kids who at least temporarily walk away. Mm -hmm. For goodness sake, even the Amish are experiencing this, by the way. They have something called rumspringa, where you send a, a child out into the world roughly at age 18 and let them go live without any restraint. And then they come back. The idea is that they come back to the community having recognized, I sow my wild oats. Those are out there. I don't know why they do that, by the way, because you will reap what you sow. So I'm not a big fan of that idea. But anyway, this is their model. Yeah. Um, they, and they're supposed to come. Well, they're losing a whole lot more of them. There's a, I came from a county in Indiana before we moved to Idaho where uh, there's more Amish than any place else in the world except for Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And one of the biggest problems we have is drunk driving Amish young men being pulled over in horse-drawn buggies by the police and causing accidents having crashes it's crazy um, it's it's not isolated the, the level of wildness in the world is the result of god having removed his strict restraining hand mm -hmm. so it's only we're, we're experiencing judgment right now wrath is on its way and we better pay attention yeah that's true that's good well uh nathan i I'm sure that our listeners have learned a lot. Um, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for coming on to the uh, Champ 180 podcast and speaking with us on how to protect our children from the threats and hackers of this world. I like the analogy. Thank you, Adam. You have just heard a podcast called Can Kids Be Hacked with special guest Nathan Long, a cybersecurity expert. If you want more information on cybersecurity, you may email Nathan at Nathan at CyberHedge.net. That's Nathan at CyberHedge.net. If you would like to contact us about this podcast for questions or comments, please email us at info at champ180.com. That's info at champ180.com. And please put the title of this podcast in the subject line. You may also call us at 208-483-0098. 
We wish to thank our listeners and hope you enjoyed today's podcast. God bless and remember to champ up and champ on. Thank you so much for listening to the Champ 180 podcast. I really appreciate your time and tuning in. Again, this is Adam Childress, but I'd like to leave you with a few things to live by daily. And is be thankful, be kind, believe in yourself, never give up, help others, cherish family and friends, do your best, listen with your heart, laugh often, and love lots. Until next time. God bless.